Yo, y'all listen up. I got something to say. I'm going to speak the truth to you, but some of y'all, you took a shortcut of convenience this summer. You was like, coach ain't here. The season's weeks away. I got time. Are you kidding me? As a college athlete, you got four, maybe five years to be great or be forgotten. So are you home taking it easy? Somebody else is out there in the heat just about killing itself to make their name great. But you got time. Yeah, 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 yeah. My heart is purple and gold. I'm a pirate down of my soul. And I don't back down out at all. Find out when the cannons explode. From the sidelines down to the post. Put it down like not even close. All out to the last whistle blow. For the flag with the soul and cross bones. Everybody stand up, get your hands up. Let a team know that we got they back. Yo, yo, what's good, y'all? Thank y'all for joining us here at the Athletes Table Podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Craft, and alongside me is the Lebanese Stallion. What's good, bro? How is everything hopping today? It's going good, man. man. It's a good day. You know. God's that's, above us. That's And it's sunny out. So it's very sunny out. No rain. It's just hot as hell. Oh. <laughs> that's anywhere down in the south anymore. Hey, that's everywhere in the United States right that now. Too. That too. Especially look at Arizona. Tires are melting on the sidewalk. They and, are. Uh, you know, they're, they're, they're like gum stuck on the, stuck yeah. on the road. Yeah, so. it's, it's horrible. Can't beat that anymore. Yeah, but you're so. safe. But, yeah, we got a couple more announcements before we get into our show today. Um, thank you all for following us on our social media pages, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Y'all doing a great job giving us feedback. Um, it's really helping us out to know kind of where we want to steer our next episodes. And uh, it's great to hear back from you all. Um, next thing, make sure you all check our website. Hit that link for the charity event that we're doing with the Children's Painters Hospital with the uh, Children's Miracle Network. Um, y'all doing a good job with donations, but let's keep on getting those numbers up, baby. We need to get $1,000 going into November 3rd, and then you can come meet us up at the Extra Life event in Greenville. Yep. Um, if you got any questions as to how to donate, uh, where to come meet us at, all the whole shebang, make sure y'all um, shoot us an email at theathletestable001 at gmail.com. Or hit us up on the DMs. On the DMs. Yeah, you can DM us. Slide <laughs> our DMs. We're good. We're good for that. Dylan's uh, been missing some of that for a little while, so. Uh, yeah, a little bit. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, definitely we'll, we'll hit y'all back up, man. Um, as for that, we can send it over I mean, to you know, 11 East. The point of this podcast, like you know, and what we're trying to get out to people, is everyone's journey is different. Winners and try to strip them to take away that they're just good. Yeah. Just admit That's they're good. The funny thing about this game, you fail 70% of the time. As long as you can have the determination to never give up, you have the world in your hands. The greatest glory in living lies not in never failing but rising and every single time we fall. We got a guy who represented ECU, represented UNCW, represented the state of North Carolina very well and proudly. Vince, yes, sir. welcome. Thank How you, thank are you. you doing today? Doing great. I'm having a great day. Uh, thank you guys for having me. Yeah, definitely, yeah, definitely. Glad yeah. to have you guys for having me. It's good to have another pirate on board. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah, we love our pirates here, man. But we'll go right into it. Um, pirates by 90. Pirates by 90. Pick up your merch today. All right. So, <laughs> um, we'll go at this. We start every episode the same, man. Just give us a little bit of your backstory, like where you came from, how you grew up, what was your family life like, that yeah. whole deal. Yeah, so I grew up in a town called Henderson, North Carolina. From Durham, it's about 30, 35 minutes. Um, all throughout high school, throughout college, I've always been an only child, right? So, and I first introduced myself to sports. Uh, the main sport was was track and field. I started in eighth grade. Um, and being an only child, track and field is kind of the sport I gravitated to because it's a little bit more of an individual sport compared to team sports like basketball, football. Um, I always enjoyed those sports and followed them, studied them and everything like that. But track and field was kind of more of uh, just more me. It was just a little bit more individualized. Um, I didn't really start taking track serious until the summer going into my 10th grade year. That's when I started running, running summer track and field. Um, that's when I got a chance to see what competition is really like um, as opposed to middle, <laughs> middle school and early, early level <laughs> high school. I got a good introduction. Um, and one thing about it was I just hated that, that feeling of losing. Um, it came early, it came 
10th grade right into that so that's when i really started taking track serious worked on it every day every day after practice before practice whatever it was um and it got to the point where by my the summer going into my senior year i was kind of i kind of had the expectation um from just competing to to winning yeah. every time i stepped on the track um outside of that a um, little bit more about my my home life my parents both entre entrepreneurs um i grew up i watched my both of my parents specifically my dad which i'm named after i watched my dad work he had a lot of businesses himself um diligently consistently um i watched my mom support him also handling her own businesses um but the, the thing i took from that was just the hard work always pays off so for me i just translated that not only to the track but of course, to the school side of things as well, the academic side of things. But um, by my senior year, going into my senior year, I still didn't really have any interest or any offers. Um, but I mean, my dad would reach out to different schools and see who was interested in another hurdler. Because um, coming from a small town, you we really didn't get a ton of exposure outside of summer track and field. Yeah. So it was up to me and my dad. We reached out to different coaches, emailing, calling coaches to see who was interested. And it was UNC Wilmington that gave me, um, it came down to UNC Wilmington and High Point University, actually. They both gave me a, an opportunity. I ended up deciding to go with UNC Wilmington, which was a great decision. Um, I loved Wilmington. I still do love Wilmington. I got a lot of love for Wilmington. Um, but the only, the, the reason I transferred was because um, the budget restrictions and they were it was looking a little slim for the track and field team and as y'all know track and field doesn't bring in a lot of profit um so that was one of the teams on the chopping block so that was 2015 i believe and so we were granted a release so again me and my dad started the whole process over reaching out to different coaches um see who would be interested um, another sprinter hurdler and that's when we came up on ecu and from there again fell in love with it same thing, worked hard, worked my way up, and then graduated, was able to have a good, successful career, and from there, I just started coaching, and everything took off. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So, one thing that you were talking about was your senior year, you didn't really have any offers. Mm -hmm. Now, with recruiting, a lot of times coaches will help reach out to schools and stuff, yep. to connections they have. Did Was that in your case? Did you have any of that with your coaches from high school? Not from high school. I had a little bit of help from my coaches in the summer track. They were a little bit more um, into track and field. Um, with high school, not as much. It was it was kind of just more so on me and my dad. Um, but with that kind of taught me a little bit more self motivation because mm -hmm. we didn't have a lot of track and field. Just wasn't that big at the time in the yeah, area. Yeah. Um, so I mean, it's to no fault of them, but they, that just wasn't the focus of the area. It was exactly. more like a basketball city, more like a football city. Yeah. Um, but to me, I just kind of always took track really serious, and then from there. That's when I started reaching out, and I had that help from my summer track coaches to get more exposure. Okay. Track is also a really hard sport to get recruited into, yeah. just because there, there's so much more. Yeah. Like there's so many more people that's doing oh, track yeah. and field yeah. in high school. Yeah. Um, you you have a ton of talent, and most of those guys, majority of the talent that's in track and field here, they're either football, they're football freaks, yeah. or they're playing basketball yeah. outside, exactly. and that's like their secondary yeah. supplement thing yeah. to it. Which, to stay in shape for the following season. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. So it's kind of it's kind of difficult to get actually recruited for track. Mm -hmm. Um, because I knew a lot of guys that we had at ECU, yep. um, they weren't getting highly recruited either. Right. Um, so they kind of just fell on ECU. And of course, ECU is the way that they are. Yep. Walk off country. Like, yep. <laughs> we get so many walk offs. So, yep. Another question that I had with this, the track team at UNCW getting kind of depleted and yep. everything because of funding, do you think that's a lack of not having like a football team down there? Or is it more just because the whole school in general wasn't getting more funding? Or what, what do you think kind of contributed to that? I think it's a combination of the two. I think, um, uh, correct me or apologize if I misquote this, but <laughs> I think they're in a position where they're they're probably not gonna get a football team, mm -hmm. um, and which is I, I understand it, but at the same time, football with pretty much any school mm -hmm. um, outside of like your Dukes and, and schools like that is football is pretty much gonna be the primary sport, and it's definitely gonna be the sport that's bringing in the most money. Yeah. Um, so when you you take that away, then that is going to be a feeder to the rest of the sports programs. I do think they would be in a better position financially if they had a football team, mm -hmm. but on the same token, I understand yeah. 
administration not wanting football to be a part of exactly, that. Exactly. Yeah. Because I mean, they're both schools that you're getting recruited by High Point and UNC. Yep. Both don't have football teams. Correct. Mm-hmm. Right. So, right. but one's private school, one's one private, is public. Yep. So the funding is always going to be yep. there for one, not and for high, the other. High, high Point track. They have yeah, very strong good. emphasis very there. Strong. Yeah. yeah. Um, so have you ever heard the reason why? Well, one of the quoted reasons why UNCW doesn't have a track uh, football program. I there, don't know. There's multiple stories. I've heard. I've heard a story. I've heard a story. What's the story you've heard? I've heard. I don't know if it was a president, a chancellor, or what it was, but I guess was at a game and saw a bad injury, and. You're on the right track. Would, yeah, he said he wouldn't want that at his school. Yeah. And as long as he was the president. And that was, I don't know if he's still the president or not there. President or chancellor. But I don't know if he's still there or not. But I, that's the story I heard as to he wasn't going to have that at a school that he was. So, leading. growing up in Wilmington, we always had, we always asked that question, why we yeah. don't have a football team? Because it would be perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Wilmington would be perfect for having yeah. a football program. It's just like Coastal. Coastal yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, but we were always told growing up, and this I'm not saying this is true or not, yeah. but it was always the original founder of UNCW. Because UNCW was created in like the 50s, 40s yeah, it was and 50s. Right it, the time it was a, became a, a co-ed school. Right, right. So, that's when... Uh, the College of Wilmington was formed, right. and the founder, his son was playing football. Mm. He was a little bit younger. He ended up dying from yeah, an injury. that's what it was. That's and it was something long. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Your skull's a good health. <laughs> but, like, that, that's the original yeah. story we were always told yeah. why you, what, you know, Wilmington doesn't have a football Yeah, player. that's what I, I thought it was something with, with somebody dying, but I didn't want to say that and then I made a case. But yeah. I did. But they, injury counts. Injury counts. Yeah, like, so right <laughs> they, they wouldn't even have to pay to build a stadium because they've got Legion Stadium in Wilmington that yeah. the city owns. Yeah, and they already have the Wilmington Tigers that play there. They have New Hanover yeah. High School that plays there. They use it for all different things. Yeah. So like UNCW will be able to use that. Yeah. that stadium. Yeah. And they have a lot of high school talent around there too. There's a lot. Of oh, high it's ridiculous. Talent. Yeah, a lot of them end up in Greenville, end yeah. up in Coastal. Charlotte area, yeah. Coastal area, Raleigh area. You know, they yep. all there was a lot from um, those New Hanover programs. Right, whenever I was coming in, and right before, because like Trayvon Brown played yeah. there, Jason yeah, yeah. Murphy, a What's couple. What's his name at ECU? Was there too. Um, he was number eighty-eight, I think. That's Trayvon. Oh, that was Trayvon. Yeah, Trayvon was a—he was dirty, dude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was on that uh, state championship basketball team too. Oh, really? They, 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 I used to play pickup. That was the year that they beat Kennedy Meeks. Oh yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Right, that's right, that's right. yeah. They they drug him to the dirt, man. <laughs> of course, I remember watching that game, and mm-hmm. they, they they drug him around. Oh, yeah. Cause that team was good too. Yeah. Well, he was also seventy pounds heavier than when he was in college, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but they uh yeah we had a lot of talent that came out of Wilmington yeah, in a yep. couple of years. And football and baseball side. So when you were transferring in the middle of the whole portal transfer and stuff, what kind of led you towards the Greenville ECU area? What was the selling point for you? I know the selling point for him, and it was about the girls. Mm. You, what was your selling point? Because <laughs> not so everybody's me? about doing that. I wouldn't say that was all about <laughs> the girls. Um, I would say it was a combination of things. I knew they had a good athletic program, not just track and field, but I knew like between football and basketball and other sports like that, like they were they were all right um, as far as athletics. I knew they had my major, which was health okay. fitness. Okay. Um, and That's a couple a of other schools. Right yeah, and a couple of other schools I looked at did not have that major. Um, another big selling point was the coach, Coach Cheek. When I reached out, he was one of the ones that was most eager to give me a chance, most eager to talk to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just appreciated how well he responded. And he was he was straight up and he was honest about everything. And he told me, we won't be able to give you scholarship your first year. We already have our allotment, but I'll give you an opportunity. And if you do well, um, you'll be able to earn a scholarship, which that's really all I needed. Yeah. And that's end up that it's what happened. Um, so the, really just the honesty, mm-hmm. the transparency. Um, I saw the hurdle program they had. I knew he was a really strong hurdle coach, um, which is what I was looking for. And uh, the rest of it kind of took off from there. Interesting, interesting. Well, you know, Coach Cheek wrote, wrote our uh, intro song for our mm, podcast. Not surprising. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I talk, I'm trying to get him to come on the show. Yeah. Uh, we got to find some time to get him on. But what, what was that first real conversation like whenever you sat down with him? The first real conversation? Hmm. I would say it was the first time I was, I was in his office, and he gave me a tour of everything. Um, he broke down. And it, really, it was just how detailed he was. Mm-hmm. It was... <laughs> 
this is what we look for. This is how our Monday workouts go. This is how our Tuesday workouts go. This is how our Wednesday workouts go. And he just broke down everything to a point where you know exactly what you're walking yourself into when you come to school here. So, you know, you use that information to, to make the best decision. I'm not telling you which way to go. I'm not telling you what to do and everything. But, you know, this is the program we have. I'm confident this is why it'll work. Um, this is some of the talent we've produced. And then just looking at some of their previous success, whether it was looking up their times, looking up the stats on the athletes, looking at the walls, mm -hmm. um, you know, just kind of seeing the success of the athletes. I, I trusted it and I trusted, um, if you've ever talked to Cheek, you know how passionate he is about what he does. You know how consistent he is every day. Um, so that's kind of something I, I knew I wouldn't have to worry about if I came to school there. Yeah. Like I knew I would have a coach that was really gonna have my back and was gonna do everything on his side to put me in the best position. Um, so. That was that was really a big selling point. Um, as far as the academics, uh, the program was one of the better programs in the state. I did want to stay in state. Um, the only out of state school I looked at was Coastal, but I did want to stay in state. Um, so and Coastal's not too terribly far. You no, know, it's Myrtle not too Beach, far South Carolina. And not, we, not you know we used to far. see them a lot when we were at yeah. Wilmington. So mm -hmm. I kind of did like that school as well. But I mean, as far as the facilities as far as the, the academic program with the health fitness and everything that's kind of also the direction i was looking in so yeah so it I gave feel, me everything i needed i feel like east carolina's coaching staff is a big reason why they get a lot of the people yeah, that come sure. there absolutely because like between coach cheek coach price was yeah, amazing, like, price amazing. And, they, and the funny thing is they have two totally different coaching styles <laughs> completely <laughs> coach cheek is very extremely analytical yeah like he looks to the exact second yeah. on everything that he does coach price he's straight feel yeah. Like, he'll look at video, he'll yeah. tell you, okay, you should feel this, you should feel this, you should feel this. Mm -hmm. And, like, and he doesn't look at numbers, he doesn't look at just And sometimes that's a good, good doppelganger to have yeah. the opposite yeah. of, you that's know. It's good to have, too, because if you have two different type of coaching styles, it could be for a different player. Right. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And, our, and our head coach was cool with everything. Coach, <laughs> coach Kraft, he was cool. Like, if you want to coach this way, you can coach yep. this way, you can coach this way. Yeah, as long as we're all trying to win. Yeah. That's yeah. it. And they, they just had a great coaching Well, that's why they've been so successful. You know, getting recruiting people being where they're at with having like Logan now in the top and having Becca and having all these people. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it really does take place, but, um, so what was your first day? Like come UNCW compared to ECU? What was Ooh. the, cause I mean, they're, yes, they're both public schools. Yes. One is a little bit more known for partying. Yeah. Yes. One's a little bit more known for everything else, but mm -hmm. you're not just known for partying, you're known for flipping buses. That too. Yeah. <laughs> and sitting on Standard we're held. So I, I remember that that was the year before I got to ECU. I remember the stories of that. Um, I would say as far as the first, do you mean the first day of practice or the first day of school? Either general? one, we, both. So I go first day of practice because we technically start practice before we start school. Mm -hmm. That's why. I thought, um, yeah. Both of the there are some similarities mm -hmm. at both schools. We started with one or two weeks of captains practices where the coaches aren't allowed to be out there, mm -hmm. um, but they'll send one of the the leaders or the captains to kind of direct younger guys um, show us what to do um, I would say the first week at ECU was tougher than the first week at <laughs> Wilmington because um, we didn't step on the track at all so all of the workouts were <laughs> a combination of heels circuits we were at fields we were in the pool it was things like that all right so I wasn't as used to that type yeah. of Wilmington was it might have been a little bit more running um, but you know, it, it, track workouts you can kind of gauge. Yeah. You can kind of gauge what's how it's gonna feel. You can kind of gauge what it's gonna be like. Um, and I would say with Wilmington, I I was there for a few days before um, we started. So I my roommates and everything we were were all on the team and kind of knew each other before we took each other. We went to the gym and everything. We would work out a little bit before we even started those captain practices. So. We knew we had each other to get through. When yeah, I went to yeah. ECU, it was it was kind of just me. I didn't know anybody. There was one other guy that transferred with me. One of my friends, he transferred with me. So we were we were both there, um, but we didn't live together or anything. So yeah. it was kind of just me, and then you know I just acclimated myself to a new yeah. program. Um, and once we got through that first, you know, that first week, first couple of weeks, I kind of got used to it. I got. Mm -hmm into better shape to where I was prepared to handle those workouts. But I will, I'll say that they both had their, their share of workouts where you really question it. Um, but yeah. I would say on the on the tougher end, like a, a, a really tough EC workout was kind of a little bit 
worse than a UNC okay. moment. Especially those workouts before the season starts. Oh, yeah. Because that's where you find exactly. out where your yes, limits are at. And yeah. that's where you find out, hey, guys, you're not going to stop. We're not going to stop running or yeah. doing something until you either break down or you quit on me. Right. Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that, that's a lot of it what it was. Yeah. Especially, like, in 2015 when we had Adam Manns. And, we, yep. like, those guys, they, yeah. killed, they killed me. Yeah, I came man. in a buck seventy, and I left at like two fifteen. Yeah, they, they they put some socks on you real yeah. quick, especially so, especially with the uh, the trainers that we had. Yep. Big question is was Stefano there during twenty fifteen? Yeah, eight hundred yeah. runner. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 he was there. He was okay. there. Okay. Um, yeah, I remember Stefano. Yeah, me and him used to hang out a lot. So yeah, Stefano, really good. He was. It was good. It was good. <laughs> I mean, he, he went back Italy. home and competed for his country. I was going to say, so, now he represents yeah. Italy. Right? Yeah. That's where he's Prayer. Not surprising <laughs> at all. Yeah. Uh, so, so what was the academic day, like first day of class and practice and having to put it all together at a new school? Was that like, you know, after after the early workouts before school started, yeah. uh, now you're back and school started and yeah. workouts have started again together. So what was that kind of like? So I don't remember exactly what, when we started morning practices. Okay. I think it, it's been a little while, but I think that might have just been my senior year um, as opposed to my junior year. But I remember at one point at ECU, we were practicing. It was a few of us because we had classes at that time in the afternoon. There was a few of us that had uh, 6 a.m. workouts when... Everybody else would be at like two thirty or three. Oh, All right, so those days. <laughs> at really least you were in the heat cold. that day. Yeah, least, I think I want to say that that was like when it was cold. Oh, geez. yeah. Never mind. So it was, <laughs> and it was rough. It was rough. So that that's the time where I probably had to consider the most of this. What I really want to do, but not looking <laughs> on the uh, six a.m. in the morning. Six a.m. <laughs> <in the morning. laughs> Let's go do something. You, you know? do a forty-minute warm-up and you feel the same. You feel the exact same. Um, so your hands are down the pants trying yeah, to keep man, them warm. Yeah, man. Like, <laughs> like, like, not having those dust go up for hibernation. That was like my welcome to ECU. Like welcome to like track and field. Yeah. Like that was that was that feeling I got there. Um, with with Wilmington, you know, it's a, di- a little bit different structure because it. I was a freshman, and so the classes. While college, they were able to yeah, while, while while the college scene is new, like the classes aren't, yeah. they're just not as demanding as they are in your junior year. Um, so it's a little bit easier to navigate through those. Mm-hmm. And again, like I'm coming in with four guys that I know, so we have to kind of work with each other, like help each other with work and things like that. Whereas mm-hmm. when I first got to ECU, I was I was in an off-campus apartment and I was living with three randoms. Oh. So. You know, it was like... No, what apartment complex were you at? Uh, the Bellamy. Oh, oh yeah. We yeah. were at the landing. That's yeah, right. yeah, 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 the Bellamy. Okay. That's some fun nights at the Bellamy. Yeah, Bellamy's <laughs> hot. Not gonna lie. Do you remember it? Yeah. Half fun. People used to say how far the Bellamy was. Yeah, which, exactly. I mean, it was a little far, but I mean, it was... I love Bellamy. It was like an extra mile past Yeah, it was like a mile. We're like our own world. Yeah, yeah. Now it's become like Section 8 housing down there. Oh, really? Yeah, like that and the landing. And then the building we were living in... Yeah. I went down there to see him one day, and it was on fire. Oh, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> Before you see him, baby. So I, I called him, oh. and I was like, I think I'm not here anymore. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, they both take a little time to get used to, but yeah, yeah. I mean, by the time I got to ECU, I was a little bit more used to college. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So I was able to... That, that was kind of like more of like understanding, because yeah, right. usually we have people on here, they don't really talk about the transfer. They talk about they were freshmen and stayed at the same school. Yeah. So fresh or transfer-wise, not everybody knows yeah. what they go through to get over there. Exactly. Yeah, you guys, it's like starting all over. Yeah. You, yeah. I mean, I didn't... New friends, new... You, I didn't everything. know anybody on the team, so it was it was all new. And, and then, then you met Dylan. Yeah, the pelvic buster. What I was saying, ECU has a lot more people that were from a different state. Yeah, yeah. they recruited a lot of Virginia. Yeah, Yeah, recruited a lot of South Carolina. So I really didn't. You know, Wilmington, I knew some of the kids from high school. Um, ECU is like everybody's pretty much completely new. Yeah, Wilmington was always a school like if you're from North Carolina, you're either going to go there or you're going to go to Chapel Hill. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. from East, if you go to ECU, majority of the people are not from there. That's how it's always been though. And it's all the people that are from Wake County who couldn't get into Carolina. Yeah, or state. yeah that's so, true, yeah, too. That's the other part of it. Because they only take so many people from this yeah. county. Uh, Henderson, they probably give a better shot at. Yeah. That's just because they're just outside that county. Exactly. Line, so. Uh, the transfer on that, because um, I know you talked a little bit about the school and everything else. Um, I'm curious on my end. Uh, why did you choose exercise science or exercise um, your degree? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. it was at Wilmington. was called exercise science at... ACU was called health fitness specialist, but yeah. essentially it's the same major. Um, so 
going into college, I, I knew that's what I kind of was interested in. I was kind of interested in the scientific side of training, what we yeah. do, what it, take, what it takes to Why get athletes better. Yeah, what it takes to get athletes in better shape. Um, but then what what really attracted to me was the strength and conditioning program at both schools. Um, so I was curious. I was always asking, you know, like, why do we do this? Mm-hmm. What does this lead to? You know, why? how do I help athletes in the future get better? How do I help myself get better? Yeah. Um, because, you know, growing up, going coming through track in high school and stuff, I was, again, it was just kind of me. Yeah. Right? So I had to do that research on my own and stuff, which I was able to do, but I knew I wasn't always doing things the, the proper the most way. Efficient. Right, right. Yeah. right. It was more just, just working hard. Um, so as it, it kind of transitioned to the point where what I was doing on the track was helping me in, in my classrooms because I could relate the two and what I was doing in the classrooms could help me on the track and vice versa. Um, so that's, that's what kind of drew me to it. I was I wanted to be a college strength conditioning coach. Um, and it got to the point where I, I, I still lean into that a little more, but I still I wanted more so to as opposed to being a college strength conditioning point coach to do that on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, and I saw the hours, and be honest, I saw the hours that college strength coach. <laughs> you're like you're not. Yeah, I, I don't know about this. <laughs> the hours and you know just the job fluidity. You know yeah. you're, you're you're always on the go, moving you're somewhere on the go, different. You, and everything. You're kind of tied to the football program, yeah. so if they have success or if they don't have success, you know, you may yeah. have, you <laughs> may be looking for a new job, yeah. because, yeah. you know, so um, that's the side of it. I wasn't as much of a fan, but I was always interested in, like, what it took to make athletes and, and people stronger, better shape, more conditioned. Yeah. And, that, yeah. and that's kind of where your whole business yeah. kind of came through, yeah. second gear fitness, correct? Yes, sir. So it was a lot of that. Also, it was still like the competition side of it. Like okay. it's like I never got away from competition. I never got away from competing because even when I transitioned from athlete to, to coach, the goal is still the same. Still it goes like, from yeah. helping myself and my teammates get better and, and do what we need to do to now helping the kids that I coach mm-hmm. find out what they need to do to be whoever it is well, to be at, the best version yeah of and at that point it's not so much your physical side that yeah. you're trying to get better at it's more like yeah. knowing how to transfer what yep. you know being an athlete to somebody else exactly and hitting them at a younger age yeah. too so right. they have a better chance at a right. younger age than you did exactly yeah so that, how easy was it for you transitioning from so I, i'm big into coaching i want to be a basketball coach that's mm-hmm. my goal and dream so how easy was it for transitioning from being the athlete yourself to being a coach now on the sideline because yes you're still young enough to where you can still compete if you wanted Mm -hmm. to overseas or wherever how easy of a transition was that for you uh i i would say i i honestly enjoy coaching more so it's a pretty easy transition i was put into some good positions when i graduated so we part of our major we had to do um an internship I do 500 hours that summer after Mm -hmm. we technically before we graduated but after we walked um, before we could get our degree. And I did mine at a facility called the Athletic Lab, which yeah. is Cary, North Carolina. I think it's in Morrisville now. Um, but at that point... They change that line. You know, yeah. They always change that line. Yeah, they change it. But I, uh, <laughs> I was able to get some of the best training and learn as much there in those three, four months as, as I did in college. Wow. Um, I was able to see what it took to get behind the five, six, seven-year-old athletes that's just starting their sports. And then we, they also did training of, like, the most elite athletes, right? And then it wasn't – a big focus was track and field, which is kind of what drew me into there. Yeah. But we also worked with, like, soccer players, basketball, baseball, right? So I was able to see um, not only the physical side of all those sports, but also, like, what those different sports mm-hmm. you go through mentally. Yeah. Because um, even though – they're all athletes. Like they all have different, different demands. They yeah. all have different demands. Um, and the and the interesting thing is, I don't mean to no, here, go ahead. But like the interesting thing is, everything in track can be yeah. translated to all those other sports for sure. You know, 100%. and not everybody realizes that yep. because yeah, okay, I'm sprinting or I'm running long distance, yep. but they don't understand. Okay, the physiology of it yep. can translate to all. Of mm-hmm. them. I always tell people, track is probably the most like science based sport. Mm-hmm. Um, you can you can put together a training program yourself. And if you know what you're doing, you can and you can kind of set yourself up on a six month plan or whatever it is and compete equally as as if you would with a school. Now, that's not to say you don't need coaches or anything like that, because typically those are the people that that have that knowledge and everything. 
but it's not like you don't necessarily need a team. Yeah. Um, so I enjoyed that, but I also enjoyed building a team. I yeah. also enjoyed like getting kids to work together. Because mm-hmm. um, there are other sports, like no matter how good you are, like football, no how my, somebody else can kind of pick up the slack. For somebody you, can, man. yeah, man. There's no hiding in track, and oh, yeah. you know, with other sports, so, you know, there is a pro and a con mm-hmm. that you know sometimes you're gonna have better people who pick up the slack. And there's gonna be sometimes that um, no matter how good you are, like they won't be able to, to help a team win, right? Yeah. So I, I kind of liked dealing with all of that. I kind of like working with all of that. Um, I had, between the, the track and the weight room, between the two schools, I probably had a different, uh, probably at least 10 or 11 different coaches. Um, so I was able to just pick their brains and take a little bit from each one of the coaches. And that's kind of what helped me transition even smoother because yeah. I just never really got away from it. I yeah. never yeah. didn't coach at some point yeah, yeah I never yeah. didn't coach yeah completely understand that. yeah so yeah because that's uh I'm kind of going down that right now and yeah. like me personally that's why I asked because I'm I'm very yeah. curious about that you yeah. you've had a lot of experience in it so as some as somebody like getting into it mm-hmm. um, especially you having like your own fitness mm-hmm. fitness company now mm-hmm. how is somebody like just getting into like the fitness training world like getting their certification and everything how would somebody like start by working their way up to getting their own fitness company, having their own clients and clients for life type deal that we're all trying to achieve. Like how, how did you start that process to get to where you are now? So I would say I kind of started coaching and training at the the same time, but uh, I did them differently. So with uh, coaching, I, well, first with high school coaching, I, it kind of fell into my lap. I came to Southern and I was, they had an open position for a head coach. And this was 2018. So at the time, I'm only 23 years old. And I had never been, I'd never really been an assistant coach. I had worked with other coaches mm-hmm. and everything like that, but I had never like kind of been. But I ended up getting a job, right? And I was like thrown into the fire. And I had a <laughs> lot. Sometimes that's the best way to learn. It's the yeah. best way. It's the best way. I would, I tell, what I tell my kids now is like start any business young. Like what, no matter what you want to do, like start some type of business young so you can make your mistakes early as you can, and then by the time you're 20, 25, 30, you kind of got that that side of it out the way. Um, and then with the training, um, so there was, as I was coaching there, I still needed a job because that wasn't that's not gonna support you. Um, so I got a job at two gyms. One, I got a job at that athletic lab where I was doing my internship, and at another gym called uh, Fitness Connection. Mm-hmm. Um, and so between the two of them, I was. Given clients more so, I, I got lucky enough to the, the advantage of working at a gym is you don't typically have to find many clients yourself. Um, I was given clients, and from there, it was just a matter of learning how, and this is the stuff that you probably won't get from the book, but it's learning how to deal more so with, with people um, and deal with any type of old, young, overweight, skinny, like dealing with all different types of people. Your gen, the general Yeah, dealing with, dealing with the general population and learning how to work with, with anyone, would, that probably taught me very quickly as, as much as I learned in school. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would think that the, the best thing you can do is really just see if you can find a gym. And then as you're, you're working with those, that, that gym, you're, as you're working with those people and learning how to deal with that, kind of get within um, the administration of it too. Talk to them and see what it takes to run a business like that so yeah. at the athletic lab we had a lot of like uh, i guess you call them personal development mm-hmm. seminars things like that where speakers would come in and tell us different things teach us different things about training we would go out for professional development um you just over the course of time you just pick up so many things that you can put in your own toolbox and then depending on what who you want to cater to you start gravitating towards those right. clients but i would say um, at the beginning, specifically, working with that general population will, will show you like what you need to do to deal with any type of potential situation. Yeah. Yeah. So, where you're at now, like your own, like your personal training that you have outside of like track and everything, mm-hmm. do you kind of tailor specifically to track and field, or do you kind of try to widen a little bit more and do a little bit other sports? So, as time is going on, I've kind of narrowed my my training. Um, I still do some general population training mm-hmm. um more so clients that have kind of been like grandfathered in that i've been with for a little while i don't reach out as much about that right now my my training is more sport development athletic development whether it's 
football, baseball, football, basketball. baseball, soccer. Yeah. Um, I like the umbrella of all of it. It's, right. It's a new challenge for me. Um, but also whether it's five year olds or twenty five year olds, you know. Mm-hmm. So, for me, I I like the athletic development side of it, and even more specifically than that, I like the speed development side of it. Right. Because just like we were talking about earlier, like speed is the one constant that I feel like you need in 99% of sports, right? Mm-hmm. So no matter what these kids do, just teaching them the right way to run, uh, to, run to, to take care of their bodies, mm-hmm. warm up, just things like that. That's right. something that's I can see the value in, mm-hmm. not just with, with my track team, but, you know, just seeing speed everywhere. Yeah. Seeing it everywhere. So Yeah, that's kind of like on my side, now I'm getting in, I'm already starting to do some of my own research yeah. um, because – a lot of trainers that I've been like researching everything, mm-hmm. their their main thing is make sure you never stop researching. Yeah, you're always sure. researching, you're always studying because you're always trying you're to find a student. Student on the game. You're so always going to be a student no matter yeah. what. It's like doctors, everything else. You're yeah. always practicing. So mm-hmm. like, I'm already getting into it now with the idea. I'm using my athletic base mm-hmm. background. I'm using that for like, okay, well, what can I use for my athletic background to help general population? Because that's where I'm yeah. going to be based out of, mm-hmm. and trying to get a little bit more in that clinical side and everything. But mm-hmm. I'm kind of using like what you're saying about uh, sprinting, um, mm-hmm. but I'm going a step ahead, well, not a step ahead, but a step to the side, doing sprinting, jumping, agility, stuff yeah, like that, right and there. working like a lot of like joint protection movements, yeah, right. per se. Like the knees over toes guy, Ben Patrick. Yeah, yeah. I'm watching, listening to a lot of stuff about him. Um, Paul Favors talks about a lot of stuff like that. So um, I'm listening to a lot of them and kind of basing my stuff off of right. what can I do for a 75-year-old person yeah. that's had back injuries, they've had yeah, knee replacements, all that. Who's five years old and I, I can yeah. take the same movements yep. for that person and take that to like a 20-year-old athlete and exactly. just change the intensity and you're still going to get the same yeah. out of it. So a lot of it, movement patterns don't necessarily change. Correct. Um, you have to adjust maybe based on injuries or you know whatever the case is, but the goal is usually still the goal. And, and then us as trainers, our goal is to find out like what needs to be tweaked mm-hmm. so that we, we still get the same results, we can still get the same output, but with any individual um, indiv- type of population or whatever the case right, is. Right, because once you get to that next level, it's like, I feel like you have to start somewhere yeah. with some specific thing. That's yeah. why I kind of asked. Right. Um, so like on my side, like mine's going to be specifically like joint movement, yeah. speed, agility, um, jumping, all that stuff. Um, and that's something that everybody should be able to yep. do to some extent, um, pain-free. Yep. And then from there, if you want to take it to like rotational training, yep. or if you want to take it to lateral training like for like a tennis athlete or yeah, something exactly. like that, then you kind of broaden out from there. Yeah. But it's a lot of research. It's, a lot of research. It's, uh, it's a lot fun of learning people, about the body. It's, it's, fun, it's fun for people like us, but for other mm-hmm. people, you're like, that's a lot of stuff it's to do. Of, yeah, it is a lot. It's a lot to it. But I think for me, what I find uh, – what keeps me going is just really the the competition side of it is right it's like you can kind of still stay in that competitive mode because you yeah. still get that energy from the athletes or whoever you're working with when you mm-hmm. see them trying to perfect these things that you're teaching them right and so for me that's kind of what keeps me into it and and, and it doesn't really feel like work mm-hmm. right because i i enjoy seeing it's something you've done your whole life i've basically. done it yeah and now it's, it's just cool to see it's cool to see at an earlier age yeah. and you know sometimes i think like i wish I would have started it earlier, but sometimes I, I kind of don't because I, being starting it at a later age, I was able to kind of feel a little bit more pressure because I only had like three years of school left. Like, yeah. So I put a lot of pressure more on myself um, to kind of learn these things and figure out what I needed to do. And then that, I think that's what kind of helped me put myself in a better situation. Absolutely. And also, too, would you say that? the confidence of being a successful college athlete. Mm-hmm. You've been in multiple schools. You've, yeah. su- you've succeeded at both schools and everything. That probably had a lot to tie into with yeah, like your mentality sure. going exactly, in. Exactly, exactly. Um, the confidence and just try and as a trainer, as a coach, you got to have the same confidence, right? right? Mm-hmm. Because your coaches or, or your athletes are not going to trust you, are not going to listen yeah. to you yeah. if you, you don't sound like you're yeah. yeah, Right. Exactly. And, and <laughs> they don't think you know what you're talking about. They can see that. They can yeah. feel it, and they won't trust you. They won't right. listen to you. And I wouldn't blame them. Like, I wouldn't trust a coach that didn't seem like he was confident. One thing about Coach Cheek, like, Coach Cheek knew what he was talking about. Yeah. But – whether he did or he didn't, he had a confidence to him like that is like, all right, well, 
he believes this, so it's got to be something. Coach, yeah, Coach he got that swag, that man, swag. Like, you're, you're gonna listen to him, man. Yeah, you don't walk no ma- fire. No matter what he's saying, he believes at one hundred percent, and yeah. it's like, man, as an athlete, and he could be wrong one hundred and ten percent, one hundred ten. But you respect it. Like, you respect let's it. Do it. Yeah, yeah, let's do it, man. And I was the same way with Coach Price. Yeah, Coach Price was the exact same way. Even if he didn't know, he would tell you in confidence, "I don't know, but I will figure it out tonight." And he was so frustrated if he couldn't figure out exactly what's going on at that moment, or he could. It was even better because, like, if you couldn't understand what he was trying to get across, he's getting frustrated not because you don't understand, but because he can't explain it to you. Yep. <laughs> that's a that's that. a yeah. great coach. It yeah. is, it is, okay. and I I didn't deal with Coach Price as much, but I did see the success of his athletes. Right, like throwers, the throwers at ECU, in my pro, in my opinion, probably had the strongest. Like, they're the strongest at. Uh, between within the ECU track and field program, like the mm-hmm. throwers, I mean, with the sprinters, the hurdlers, the distance, we all had success. But like the throwers were consistently sending people to regionals and nationals, mm-hmm. and, and you know, you you talk to Coach Price and you you see how much his athletes like look into him and, and trust him and everything. So you you know that he's he believes in what he does, and yeah. then you know whatever you can take from any coach, you know that's that's the main thing that you you want to give to your athletes. You mm-hmm. want to. Them to be able to trust whatever you And saying. it's a lot of it, too, is people like Coach Price. Coach mm-hmm. Cheek was the same way. He was a little bit – he was on the analytical side, but yeah. he let the athletes do what they needed. Yeah. He, it was a player-led team. Yeah, for sure. And, like, they, they can be successful. A lot, a lot of – there's there's people that don't like player-led coaches mm-hmm. like that and let, let, let athletes be athletes. Yeah. But, like, in the position where we were at East Carolina – a lot of our guys, a lot of our older guys, wanted that responsibility. Mm-hmm. And that's the type of people that they recruit. Yeah. And I, I think, too, it also relates to the sport. Because, like, we had, we saw their basketball was a player-led locker room. Mm-hmm. It wasn't successful. Yep. Yep. But, but baseball and uh, track and field was successful. Yep. So I think right. it just depends on the sport. It, on the sport. And it depends on how things are being Well, it's building a core group exactly. of players that yep. can do, you can no, do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. It also depends on the just the players in general. For example, like Nick Saban with many of his teams, like, for example, Minka Fitzpatrick, mm-hmm. when he was a cornerback for there, everything on defense ran through him. Nick Saban would yell at him, coach him on the sidelines. That's lines, a dog. But every moment <laughs> there was something wrong, you go to the player, what the hell are you doing? Mm-hmm. You were told to do this. Let's play the game we were meant to play, or we're going to get chewed out by Nick Saban. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you kind see him on the sidelines the out. just yelling yeah. at him, just like, hey, what the hell are you doing? You could be down 20 points, but that's the mentality which a lot of people have to stick with. I know it's hard to. Once you get out of a sport, you don't really want to be like competitive like you were talking about. But if you're, you love the sport, you want to play a sport, you love watching the sport, you're going to still have that drive of, I want to be number one. I'm not even helping or playing, mm-hmm. but you want to be number one in the sport. It's like Rudy Rudy you're from Notre Dame. And I think that's one of the things that like you want as – that's pretty one of the other things that you want as a coach. Like You want to be able to – for your athletes to kind of – Look at themselves yeah. and see what you don't want to have to address everything. Yeah. Now, depending on the the population you're working with, yeah. um, you know it's a little easier in college because lots of, you got those be, guys want to be there. They got to yeah. be. So you got to have yeah. the motivation to be there because you're not doing that for <laughs> just to do. It. So I mean, you know, with with those athletes, like you you want to get to the point where you don't have to say every little thing. You want to get to the point where, to me, like I I like it when I'm at a out of practice or, or even as an individual training session, when I see something that went wrong and I can see either another athlete address it or I can see that athlete notice that within themselves. And, yeah. like, you can kind of see it even you if they don't the say anything. You can see bit, that they, right? they, they didn't do something the way they were supposed to or the way they wanted to. Yeah. And a lot of times, like, you don't, even, you don't even say anything. You kind of let them build that autonomy because, you know, at some point you're not going to be there. Exactly. Whether they're training on their own or you're at a different program, but or you want them, to, and yeah, and you yeah. want them to have that. Like, all right, I can fix this problem myself without yeah. relying but on it, the coach. It takes it takes you back to those couple of weeks that we had before the season, yeah, but we ran exactly. everything. They they did that on purpose. Yeah. The NCAA did that literally exactly. on purpose. It's the only so. thing the NCAA was good for. Yeah, that's the only thing they really, really did. <laughs> yeah. But um, it's. <laughs> I knew you were going about. Um, so like you kind of look at it from like a coaching aspect, and you got a group of kids where you're, if you're doing one on ones, it kind of works this way, and you can kind of develop this mindset. Mm-hmm. But like I kind of look at it sometimes like if you're working with like a football team, for instance, yep. you got different departments. It's yep. just like a business. Yep. If you break it down like us as entrepreneurs yep. trying to learn the business side and everything, you break it all down. You have different departments. Those departments are 
they're the ones that make that department run. Yep. You're just over everything. Yep. So you kind of say, but you have so like you if, them all leeway. Yep. You kind of want to get the athletes to understand like each one of y'all have an individual role, and you do the best that you possibly can in the role. If you ha- if you are struggling with something, mm-hmm. say it. Exactly. Like talk to your talk to your coworkers, mm-hmm. then talk to your boss. Yep. That's how that works. And usually you kind of fix things out that way mm-hmm. as long as your players learn. You have the autonomy and the autonomy to be able to do it and the confidence to be able to tell yep. somebody that you're struggling with something. Right. Because yeah. there's nothing wrong with struggling. That's exactly. how you learn. Yeah. yeah. But it's getting yeah. kids to understand it's like, that. It's like the, you have to get them to buy in whether it's like the yeah. lows or the fucking ups in it. You have yeah. to get people to buy in. Because we don't buy into a sport. Why do you want to play? Well Why the kids look at it as like I'm I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do, but then but they don't see the whole picture. Yeah. And like we did it whenever we were kids, yeah. we were looking at it, I was like, okay, I'm struggling right now. Like I don't need to tell anybody. I just need to try to fix it. And we try to fix it ourselves. We may not have the answers, it's just but like the us same. being older now, we yeah. understand we don't have the answers. Yep. And it's just like the same: no struggle, no progress. So That's it's right. like you have to have that struggle to be able to progress yourself, whether it's in life, whether it's in sports, whether it's in your job, whatever. You but I'll say um, after our interview with with Caesar. That Cedric, Cedric yeah, that we were talking about how they used to be compared to now. Kids are such at a higher level yeah. at the very beginning. They start earlier. They start earlier. They yeah. start earlier, and there's School probably more, and there's more pressure on them to kind of be yeah. better earlier. Which yeah. you know, it, it has its pros and cons. It, it's going to vary from athlete to athlete. Some and sports to sport, even. Some athletes will deal better with that pressure. Some athletes won't won't enjoy that pressure. Um, I think with track and field, like like you were saying, you. That's not something you're just going to have the off the gate. Like, right. you know, first day of practice, you're not going to just give the team and say, y'all go do this and figure it out. Um, but you can see pretty early, like, what kids take it really serious and what kids are going to be leaders, what yeah. kids are going to be vocal, and just how they're leaders as well. Um, because a lot of kids may be leaders in their own right, but they may not be vocal. Right. There may be kids that are more vocal who may not, you know. Be a leadership quality. They And they may not even be the best athlete, but they can – they can lead other kids and you know you kind of find that and you you have those kids within every team and you kind of set them up in a position where they can help each other as yeah. much as they can especially on track with such a large number yeah you know, exactly that's a big thing i told them my goal every year is to coach like as much as i love coaching i want to coach less and less as the season goes yeah, on yeah. because i shouldn't have to say you know the same thing why don't you do this why don't you do week that? 15 as yeah. i'm saying week one it yeah. shouldn't be the same and that's every every sport every the sport same way. yeah because exactly. people don't realize coaching is just repeating yourself. Exactly. Over and over. It's repeating exactly. yourself. Because and you just have to give it in a different way. Sometimes in a different way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All, all it is is just saying the same mm-hmm. thing a different way all yep. season long until you get to the very end. Yep. And it's just like, you know what? Go have fun. Yeah. You've done the work. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. this is your time to have fun. Don't stress so yourself out. So, on this show, we always like to ask, what is some kind of advice you give to the next generation coming up? Um, whether it's in track and field and basketball and baseball and football, what is some advice you give them for life, for sports, for whatever? I'll break it up. So um, I think I mentioned this a little, a little bit earlier, but if I were to start, I would say with uh, on the business side of it, if you, whether you're interested in having your own business or not, even if you're interested in you know working at a company, which is mm-hmm. fine, there's nothing wrong with that. You need to start a business yeah. at an early age, right? Because you, you need to know how to reach out to people. You need to know what it takes. You mm-hmm. need to know uh, the ups and downs of it because mm-hmm. you know a lot of times with corporate job or just a consistent job or you, you may not see that side of it. You just go yeah. to work every day. And it's also taking pride in everything that you do. You have to take Absolutely. that. Yeah, exactly. You have to take the pride and you, you're going to have, you're going to go through those moments where you question yourself, where you question whether you should be doing um, what you're doing. Right. But that's okay for you. All right. Mm-hmm. I would say get, get through that the earlier, the better. Um, so no matter, you know what it is, mm-hmm. start some type of business early and she, Costs, production, all that. Just to even understand that, yeah. Just so understanding the numbers life. of it and the, the social aspect of yeah. it. Um, as, as far as sports, I would say research what the best athletes in, in your sport are doing. Because a lot of people, you know, they'll, like, you got to do your homework outside of the track mm-hmm. or outside of the football mm-hmm. field, too. And not just, like, watch the games. But actually see, like, all right, what should I be eating? When should I be going to sleep? What should I be doing before practice? Mm-hmm. Put myself in the best position. So as you learn those things, you rely, you know, you you have a coach, of course, but you want you don't want to rely on that coach yeah. to, to yeah. lead your career, right? Because yeah. you but know, always going to be there. Coaches will just leave. Coaches, yeah. you know, as you'll learn, like coaches do not have an obligation to a school. You know, mm-hmm. they they have a job and whatever the case may be, they can leave the school at any point. So you don't want to put too much of your 
your faith in that in one situation. So figure out what you need to do as an athlete to put yourself in the best position. Um, and then, with, you know, with life, I would just say find friends that's going to hold you accountable. Uh, don't just hang out with people who are going to agree with everything you do. Find the, the friends and the, the, the others that are going to call you out when you're wrong. Find the kids or, or you know, whatever age you are. Find those people that are going to um, not let it slide, you know. Because if you don't, if you just have those those yes men and those, those yes ladies or whatever you call it, um, you got a false sense of the reality. You got a false sense of what you really should be doing. And those people aren't really helping you. Right? So find those those friends that aren't afraid to tell you, like, no, or, you you know, you're off. Um, because with me, personally, again, like, I wouldn't say I, I have a ton of friends. I have a lot of people I know and everything, but I the friends I do have, like, I'll be 100% honest with them. I'll tell them a situation. I'll tell them both sides of it. And they'll tell me, like, nah, you're wrong. You're yeah. wrong. Like, you did this wrong. You should be better than that. And you'll appreciate that more and more as you go on. Because mm-hmm. a lot of times, either they've been through similar situations or you'll see that same situation come up with your kids when mm-hmm. you're coaching. And, and you can tell them, like, you know, I might not be an expert on this or this, you know, this is your life. But from the experiences that I've seen, this is probably the best way to go. Absolutely. Yeah, we. that's how we are. A lot yeah. of people that we keep in our circle, mm-hmm. they're more like family than our friends. Because yeah, yeah. family yeah. will tell you when you're wrong. Friends, right. will, friends will just say, yeah, just go friends. ahead. Yeah. Yeah. And at the end of the day, also, like it's it's your name on your profile. It's your name. So yeah. it doesn't matter what coach you're going to have. You're going to have probably 100 coaches within your yep. career. Exactly. So it's, it's up to you however you want to make that. And make the that other happen. thing I would say is, even if you don't, if you're not a big fan of, of a coach or whoever, whatever leaders in posi- uh, position over you, you can still learn from that person exactly. because you, it may be as much as learning what you don't want to do with your team because as and I, I've been fortunate enough to have great coaches. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not to say I love or I do every single thing the way all of them did because there's some things I took from each coach some things I, I, I learned from each coach, but there's also some things like, like, I respect this, but I wouldn't do this in my program. Yeah. Like, I, I don't want to go by this way. So that's how every coach... Yeah. The coaching tree is for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. This is a Beyond Sports Media production. Instagram, Twitter, YouTube.